Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, starting in verse 7. We'll read it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll study it together. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let us pray. Again, Lord, we come before you uh, to, to ask you to be with us. Lord, we are a needy people. Constantly we come before you and beg you to intercede for us. And Lord, uh, as we do that, we know that we can have confidence that you never grow tired of, of our requests, that you never grow tired of fulfilling those requests. And we pray that you would be with us now uh, help us to learn this morning. Use your Holy Spirit to open up our eyes so we can see this text for what it is and that we would learn from it and apply it to our lives this morning. I pray that each one of us would be edified, that we would be built up this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the world is a dark place. It's a hard place to live. You know, that we have many joys. There's so much beauty in it. You know, as we even see this week, the snow is beginning to melt. So you can see the grass again. You can look around and uh, you can just see God's beautiful creation. But at the same time, it is very hard to live as a Christian, isn't it? We have this, this, this pull. You know, we're always talking about it. You know, I, I, we talk about what uh, we talk about it with our kids. You know that the the world is pulling them, and we experience it even in our own lives. Of uh, maybe we're at work, and people are talking a certain way, and and there's a pull there. There's a pull there for us to sound just like them, or with our families, those that don't know Christ. Uh, there, there's a pull there as well to. Go and do this. Go and say that. Everywhere we go, we, we feel this pull. Um, what am I going to do? How am I going to live? Not, not just as a, a, a desperate plea of, you know, I'm going to die. No, but 
as a just a practical thing of how do we live as Christians in such a harsh environment? You know, and this is Canada. You know, we're not even talking about those who are being uh, persecuted for their faith. You know, I'm just talking about the pull of the world with sin. You know, for those around the world who are being uh, martyred, uh, that are being slain for their faith, uh, imagine what they go through every day. But even here in Canada, it's hard to be a Christian. You know, we have to struggle with the, the idea of where's that line? You know, what, what, what does it mean to be worldly? And what does it mean to be righteous? And where, where is that line that I, I need to find in my life? Is it okay for me to do this? Is it alright for me to say that? Where, what are the parameters of a Christian life? And where does it begin to become part of the world? That's a hard question. It's one of the biggest things that we struggle with is, as Christians today. What are, we, what are we supposed to live like? You know, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Paul got very into detail about what righteousness looks like. But now he's going to kind of shift gears. And he's going to talk about, all right, yes, that's what righteousness looks like. But now how do you live that amongst the world? You know, what is the relationship there? Because there are many avenues that we could take. Uh, we see it even today. Uh, whether it's a, a group of, um, I'll, say, I'll say Christians, all right, who, who go out and they, they buy land and they go far away from the rest of civilization and they live there in their own little, uh, their own little hub. And, and they just live their life as Christians there because they don't want to be influenced by the world. All right, there's that. Or there are the people who uh, go the other extreme. And, you know, they have, they have church in the bars and, and stuff like that. They're, they're trying to, um, you know, make that, that distinction between Christian and, and world a little less offensive, all right, for, for the non-Christian. All right, and so th- there's that extreme as well. So what are we supposed to do? Uh, that, that's really what Paul's talking about here. All right, so he starts in verse 7. And he's really talking about that idea of walking in love, of imitating uh, Christ, all right, uh, of being uh, an imitator of God just like a child. All right, and it flows from that. Verse 7 says, therefore. So it's based on all of that, that idea of walking in love. All right, well, where are you going to live? In the world. So that idea of walking in love means you will have to walk in love in the world. All right, so therefore, do not become partners with them. Right, so before we tackle that idea of being partners, we need to understand who's the them. Well, he just has been talking about the Gentiles. Right, over and over and over again, he's been talking about them. All right, so the them are those Gentiles who lived in Ephesus. Again, we have to go back to the original context. All right, the Ephesians were living amongst these pagans who were worshiping Artemis and all the kinds of sin that they were dealing with uh, in the temple worship. And these are their neighbors. And he says, don't be partakers. Don't be partners with them. Uh, we know what it means to be partners. Uh, means to have ownership of something uh, together with another person. Right? Whether that's business, 
maybe you own a business and you have partners in that business who have uh, have a stake in that business and you and you run it together and you share the responsibility, right? And, and you share the wealth, right? You you go in and it's both of you together. You go into a work site and you work together, and the work is evenly laid out. You you work shoulder to shoulder with that person. They're your partner. Or we understand that with marriage. Your spouse is your partner in life. You know, they help you make decisions. Uh, they're, they're your support. Uh, they, they share just, just like with uh, the business world, they share in the responsibilities. They share in the wealth. You know, that bank account isn't yours. It's, it's both of yours. You know, uh, that, that house, it's both of yours. That car, it's both of yours. You have ownership of it together. There's that close relationship. All right? And that's really what Paul's talking about. So this idea of how do we live in the world and, and be a part of it in that we function here in the world, but not of it. You know, that, that uh, almost Christian cliche of being a, uh, in the world, but not of the world. What does that really look like? Well, first off, it starts with understanding that there's a difference. That we cannot just be partners with them. Right? That, that, that there should be some level of separation. All right? Not to the extreme where we go out and we build a place out in the middle of nowhere and we don't talk to non-Christians ever because you know, we might be tempted. That's not what we're talking about. All right? But to the fact where all of your closest friends, uh, your partners in life, uh, the, those people that you invest in and they invest in you, all of them are non-Christians. There's a problem there. Uh, you will be pulled away. It's not an if. You will. Right, we need to be very careful about this. He says, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. So here's the reasoning for it. At one time you were darkness. It doesn't say that you were in darkness. I think I misread that earlier. Right? That's not what he's saying. He says, you were darkness. The things that you did, your purposes, your plans, uh, your actions, your heart, was darkness. And we know that the Bible uses that all the time to refer to sin. All right, so you were sinning. But that was in the past. If you're a Christian here this morning, this was in the past for you. You were darkness, but not anymore. There's been a change. You see, we're not just supposed to be just like the world because we are no longer belonging to the world. We're different now. Our identity has changed. He says, we now, now in comparison to in the past, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now you are light our identity has changed. It has caused us to come out of darkness and actually be light. What does this mean? It means to those still in darkness, we are to be the light of God to them. You know, we, we talked about that song. You know, we got this little candle. We don't want it to get put out, right? Don't hide it under a bushel. But we, it's not just that you have the light. But you are light. 
You know, if you are doing those things that he talked about, if you are walking in love, if your life is depicted by love for others, then you will be light to those people. All right? So we see here that we can't just say, all right, go completely away from the world, because how will they ever hear the gospel? And how will they ever see that light? You know, we're, we're in Saskatchewan, and I know that you can see light from a great distance. I've been over just outside of Moose Jaw and been able to look down and see the lights from Regina. Like, I get that. All right? But here, in this context, all right, you're not going to be able to see that light if you're cut off. All right, so there, there's this line that we see here. Don't be partners with them. Don't, don't let them so far into your life that they are changing who you are. All right, but be close enough to where they can see that light. Where they can be impacted by that light. Can see your deeds. Because right, we're talking about our walk of love. So the things that you say, the things that you do. Everything of who you are. And so that, that should be able to be seen by them. If you're never talking to non-believers, they won't see it. If at work, I, I've been uh, I, I've been a culprit of this, of cutting myself off. Uh, you know, because as Christians, we find our community where at church, right? Most of our friends are in the church. Uh, that's where we find our sense of community. For but for many people in the world, where do they find their community? At work. Right? That's where they're there most of the time. Right? So they build those relationships. I, I've been that culprit of, of saying, well, I'm not going to... What? You want to go out for a movie with me? No. You know, like a, like a friend, just going out and doing something together. No, you're a work friend. You know, I'm not, I'm not going with you. All right, you, you stay at work, and that, that's all you are to me. I, I've been that guy. And maybe you have to. Alright? But we need, as Christians, if we're going to walk this line well of being in the world but not of the world, then we need to have those relationships. You should have work friends. You should have friends who are not believers. How else will they know the gospel? How else will they see it in someone's life if not for you. If not by seeing, oh wow, Dean, Dean acts different. And maybe even that Dean. Right? Uh, or he says things differently. He's not so negative all the time. There's something just a little bit positive about him. There's, there's some kind of joy that he has. I wonder what that's about. How will they ever be able to ask those questions if we cut ourselves off? They won't. And they will remain in darkness. All right, but now you are the light in the Lord. So, what, what, what should we do about that? Well, we have a responsibility. He says, walk as children of light. Now, again, this is a constant theme for Paul. He's always saying, walk like this, walk like this, walk like this. You know, whether it's uh, walk as uh, children of God, be imitators of God, walk in love. He says it over and over and over again. It's talking about his life, our life. So walk as children of light. What is he saying? He's saying to walk like a child of God. Now again, 
What does that look like? You can constantly see Paul's, Paul's writing. He gives out a, a statement, and then he follows it up with, I know what you're thinking. I know you're asking, what does that mean? Or what does that look like? And over and over again. So he gives a statement, and now he follows it up. For the, light, uh, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So what does it mean to walk as a child of God or a child of light? And how does that uh, affect our relationship with others? All right, specifically the unsaved. How, what, what does that look like? Well, what you do should be good. It should be right. And it should be true. Your actions, your, the things that you say. It's why we have to be so careful. You know, another reason, just practically, of why we should not let them be partners with us, we could discredit the gospel very easily. You know, who should you go to with your weaknesses? The non-Christian? I don't think so. You know, for, for many reasons, but one might be that they will look at that and say, well, okay, well, if you struggle with that, that means your gospel's not real. No, you go to the church because they understand. They're not going to confuse that. All right, so the things that we do should be good. They should be right. They should be true. When, when That's what people should see from us. So there shouldn't be the opposite of those things. To even take it like that, to, they shouldn't see sin. They shouldn't see poor behavior. And they shouldn't see lies. You know, it's easy to take that and say, well, okay, obviously. But, I mean, think about that. How, how often have you been uh, caught in a lie or, or been fake to someone and they found out? We need to be real with people. And not just in the church. We talked about that. How we need to be real with one another about our strengths, our weaknesses, so we can encourage one another. But even to those outside, we need to be real with them. And if we are to walk as children of light and walk in love, then that means that you really should love that person. Not just in some fake way of, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love everybody. I'm Generally, I'm nice to everyone. No, you should show real compassion. And that doesn't just happen. That, that's something that starts in your heart. If you don't have that love for people outside the church, maybe you do for the people in the church, right? Uh, you, you know, like, they're my brother and sister. I'm, I, I love them, yeah. But people in the world, uh, the workers at McDonald's, the, um, the clerks at the store, the, you know, your coworkers, your maybe even family. If you don't have love for them, you need to repent. This goes to myself as well. We need to be loving everyone, to be genuine with everyone, so we can be that good and right and true. Verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, this idea of try is not how we usually think of it. You know, we say uh, try as in see if you can do it. And maybe you can, and maybe you can't. You know, try, try to do this. Uh, try here is more of that judicial term. Meaning to judge. Um, to judge and see the value of something. Alright, so like you would talk about with someone going to court. 
they were tried and shown to be innocent, or tried and shown to be guilty. He found out the truth. They went through the process uh, of, of judgment, and he found out. So for us, we need to try and discern. Find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. For us, this means that we need to judge what we are doing and discern whether it's pleasing to God or not. Uh, when, when I was young, uh, basically since I was eight years old, I worked with my dad. My dad was a janitor for a school district, and he had a little cleaning company. I think I might have shared this before. All right, but uh, we, we used to clean every Saturday. We would wake up about 5 a.m., and we would go, and we would clean three different churches. And, uh, and so since I was eight, I was helping. Uh, when, I, when I got a little bit older, I had more responsibilities, things like that. I remember that I would constantly be listening to my CD player because this was the time when you had CD players. All right, some of these kids don't know what that means. All right, no, you do. All right, but uh, I remember having it in my pocket, putting on my headphones, and, um, you know, uh, sweeping downstairs in, in the fellowship hall of one of these churches. And, uh, you know, I'm singing away. I don't, I don't like to sing in front of people, but I like, uh, if you were to, to stay over a night at, at my place, you'd probably hear me singing in the shower. Right. But, uh, I do love to sing. So I, I would do that in the fellowship hall. And I remember my dad several times coming down because, you know, I'm just sweeping away and doing my thing. I'm listening to music. And, uh, my dad would constantly come down and be like, are you paying attention to what you're doing? You know, are, do you see what you're doing? You're just going really fast and trying to get done and just listening to music, not paying attention. You know, look what you're doing. Make sure that you're doing a good job. You know, for me, I was just a teenager, right? Like, I got my uh, allowance from my dad from it. But, you know, for him, that's his livelihood, right? So he, he took more effort and concern in it, as he, as he should. Uh, and so he was constantly telling me, are you paying attention to what you're doing? Are you doing a good job? And I think that's really what Paul's saying here. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Figure it out. Pay attention. Are you doing what is right? Are you doing your job? He says, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness. Don't do those sinful things. Instead, what are we called to do? Expose them. Expose means to shed light on something. It's calling sin out for what it is. Sin. Now, this doesn't mean that we start going around and getting into everyone's business and trying to figure out what sin is going on in their hearts and uh, being judgmental and pointing fingers at them. No, that's not what he's talking about. But it means that we don't partake in sin. And instead, we tell others why we don't do it. It's not enough to not partake in sin. You know, it could be very easy, like when you're talking to someone outside of the church and they're, they're wanting you to do something and you know it's sin. It's, our, it's very easy to say, no, no thanks. 
and to leave it there. But we need to say why. We need to say why it, it's something that you don't do. We need to expose sin. And that's specifically with Paul, with what he's going through here with this worship of Artemis and all of that, you know, for them to say, go, come with us, come with us, do this. And this would have been a much more difficult thing for us than usually what we're talking about when we're uh, talking about exposing sin. But we need to do it. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, is verse 12. Uh, this is Paul referring to those gross immoral things that the Gentiles would do in the privacy of their own homes or in the temple doors. And we need to not even be talking about it. Uh, it could be very easy for us to put our nose up in the air and talk about how rotten and sinful and gross and immoral uh, those people are. You see it. You see it in the world today. Westboro Baptist Church. You know the name, or at least most of you do. Uh, this, this is a church down in Kansas, a church of about our size, by the way, uh, who go around and protest at soldiers' funerals with signs that say horrible things. Uh, God hates these people. I won't even say the word. All right, um, specifically toward homosexuals. All right. Are they right about the sin? Is it sin? Yeah? But there's a right way to expose sin and a wrong way. There's a loving way and there's a hateful way. And for those people, what they're doing, that is a hateful way to do it. Are they winning anyone over? No. Is their church growing at all? No. Influence? Sure. Everyone knows their name now. Right? But their, their church is still a very small church. Why? Because they hate they're not doing it properly. They're not exposing sin. Uh, not really. They, and they're talking about it over and over again. It's shameful. It's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Verse 13, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. So basically, Paul here is saying that the Ephesians... He's telling them how God knows all of what the Gentiles are doing. You don't need to talk about it. You don't need to gossip about it. You don't need to judge and look down. He knows everything that they do. He is light and he exposes all sin. There's nothing that we can do to hide from God. That's, that's something for us even to consider. You know, all, all the sin that we think that we get away with. Dude. God is light. He exposes all sin. Even those things that we do when no one is watching behind closed doors, God sees that. And he says to us, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ helps us to understand our sin. He enables us to conquer that sin. Wake up. This is to those outside, and I think this one was written to those inside as well. Wake up. Christ will shine on you. So, then how do we live? How do we live? All right, we get, we're not supposed to be partners with them. Um, we, sh we need to be around them. 
and we need to be friends with them, but there's a difference between being friends and investing completely in and letting them be that inner circle in our life of being a partner. Right, there should be a level of separation there. All right, but so how do you how do you practically do that? And what are the things that we need to consider? He says, "Look carefully." Verse 15, "Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise." Well, because the world is dangerous, we need to be careful. Pay strict attention to how we walk, how you live. Pay attention to what you're doing. Uh, a couple years ago, I was backpacking in the Rockies. I know, weird thought for me. All right, I wasn't too fond of it myself. All right, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful, but it's it's hard. All right, but you're going up this mountain, and uh, it's all good going up. All right, it's, it's yes, it's hard to you know the gravity's working against you. All right, but once you get up there, then it becomes really dangerous. All right, because you have to go down. And, uh, you know, the way that we went, uh, this was Capitol Peak. You can look it up online. It's pretty crazy. I, I still can't believe that I did it, to be honest. All right, but, uh, you know, the way that we went up was actually pretty gradual and nice. We did it over a couple days. But the descent was so steep. You know, and we're going down, and you got this big backpack on. You got everything that you need in life on your back, and you're going down, and you're just trying. You know, your knees are constantly going... You know, just trying to make sure that you don't fall. Because if you fall, you're going to roll. And you're going to roll for a long time. Right? It would have been very dangerous. So you're watching where you put your feet. And just, oh man, you know, just being so careful. You get a walking stick or something and you're trying to just find the best footing possible. Alright? That's what he's getting at. Look carefully. This is dangerous. Alright? Watch out. Look carefully how you walk, how you live. He says, uh, basically, be wise. Be smart about your weaknesses. Don't put yourself into a situation where you'll be tempted by others. If you struggle with drunkenness, then don't go to that friend's house where they offer you alcohol. Be smart. Be wise. If you struggle with lust, maybe you should give up your computer. If you struggle with lust, maybe you shouldn't go to that gym. Be smart. Be wise about your weaknesses. And this is in the, the back of your bulletins here. Christians must be smart. This is uh, note number two. Christians must be smart. Know yourself and be wise about what and who you put into your own life. And this is right under it. Evangelism at the risk of your spiritual health is wrong. You know, you might be thinking, well, I have to go through this, and yes, it's tempting. All right, the, the, whatever it might be. Uh, it, it might be a temptation for you, but you, you got to do it because you got to reach that person for Jesus. No. Maybe someone is better equipped to reach that person for Jesus. Evangelism at the risk of your spiritual health is wrong. That's why he says the next, making best use of the time. Because the days are evil. 
We need to be wise about how we use our time. You know, we do this at work, right? We're always trying to get the best product out. Uh, try to work hard to get the, the most effort out of us, right? To, to get that, that result. You know, we want, we want whether it's for our, our, um, our employer, that we want them to be happy with us. Uh, so we, we work as hard as we can. You know, when the manager's around, you want to impress them, so you put out your best effort. You make best use of the time there. But in our personal lives, sometimes we don't. You know, whether it's uh, you know spending all, all night in front of the TV or, um, you know, uh, just spending all your time doing that hobby, whatever it might be, make best use of the time. You only have so much time. This is something we've been talking about in Sunday school, the stewardship of time. It's a gift. You need to take care of it. You need to be responsible with it. Why? Because the days are evil. We only have so much time, and people are living in sin. People who need Jesus are on their way to hell. That's a fact. Make best use of the time. Both for your spiritual growth... So you are strong enough to reach that person and that you are actually taking the time with that person. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. What is he saying? Don't waste that precious time, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Uh, That's an interesting idea that's going to come into play here in a few moments. What is the will of the Lord? Well, again, we have to take it in context. He's going to show us what that is. But first, he says, don't get drunk, for that is debauchery. This was a huge problem in the ancient world. All right, specifically in Ephesus. They were, the drunkenness was everywhere. Uh, it was a part of their worship of, uh, of Artemis, was to get drunk so you could do things that you wouldn't normally do. All right, uh, but then even just outside of pagan worship, it was a huge issue. All right, so he, he uh, confronts that head on. Paul here is saying, if you want to make a difference, if you want to use that line of, you know, how do we live in the world but not be a part of the world, how do you do that if you're drunk? How do you do that if you're not in control of your faculties? Can't do it. Can't do it. And he says, what are we supposed to be controlled by? He says, be filled with the Spirit. Well, that idea is really, you know, some people take it out of context and say, oh, that means that that's when the Spirit possesses you, right? That you are indwelt by the Spirit. No. All right, to be filled means to be controlled by. All right, so we are, as Christians, supposed to be controlled by the Spirit. And how on earth can we do that if you're being controlled by alcohol? You can't. You know, you could take that and say, all right, how can you do that if you're being controlled by fill in the blank for your sin? Whatever that is. You can't. If we want to use that line of being in the world, not of the world, and reaching people and living righteously, you can't do it if you're being controlled by sin. So, again, how do we live? He says, addressing one another, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody 
in your heart to the Lord. Worship together. Takes it in. You know, the whole focus has been on the, uh, the outside of the church for those who, the, uh, the Gentiles, those who did not know Jesus. And now he focuses in again. All right, well, how do you live? Be together. Worship together. Your brothers and sisters, instead of being participants with the world and their sin, we are to be together worshiping our God. That's how we combat that. Singing and making melody to your heart, uh, in your heart with, uh, to the Lord. Just in case anyone were to think differently, uh, this worship flows from our hearts. It's not just the songs. You know, if, if you were just to sing a song, that doesn't mean that you were worshiping. It's, uh, it's about your focus. It's about your heart, where, where you are looking to in the truth of those songs. So we, we worship together, and he says, giving thanks always and for everything. Uh, the good and the bad. Uh, the good things that we go through, the joys that we have in our life, the bad as well. Giving thanks for everything. Always to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is this then? You know, if we're talking about going back to that idea before he got into drunkenness. He says, discern what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? For you to glorify Him. That's what he's talking about. The worship, the giving thanks, it's giving glory to God. So God's will for us is to glorify Him, which is impossible if we let the world corrupt us. You know, if, if we do not Walk that line. If we let the world be um, partners with us and they impact us and that pull of the world, if we're not striving for righteousness, right, and if we're not living in a close proximity to where we're shedding light toward them about the gospel, if we don't do that properly, then we cannot glorify God. God's will for us is to glorify Him, which is impossible if we let the world corrupt us. And lastly, he says submitting to one another. Submitting has the idea of putting oneself under a peer for the sake of serving them. We are to do that for one another, serve one another. And how do we do that? Out of reverence for Christ. The same awe, the same respect, the same love we have for Christ is to be the main motivation in how we serve and love one another. So then, how are we to live? Well, we know there is to be a difference. If you look on your sermon notes, there is to be a difference between the world and Christians. We know that Christians must be wise. That we need to know ourselves and be wise about our weaknesses. And be wise about who and what we put into our own lives. And we know that God's will is for us to glorify Him. So there is to be a difference. We are still in the world, but we need to be careful about how we live in this world. 
for our own spiritual health and for the sake of others who do not know Christ. We need to be careful so we are not led astray from Jesus. And then, if we do that, if we are led astray, we cannot fulfill our purpose. We cannot fulfill our purpose of glorifying Him. So it is it is one of the hardest things as Christians that we deal with. How do we live? Carefully. Carefully. Be careful about your spheres of influence. The influence that you have on others and the influence that they have on you. We are to be loving. That's the whole idea of chapter 5. It's to walk in love. So we do that to those inside the church and outside. But we need to be so careful about what we let in. Because the next thing you know, you might think, oh, it's not a big deal right now. And it might not be. But those things can build. And that's why we need to be so careful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for how practical it is for us. Lord, we we know that sometimes uh, the world has a really strong pull on us. We still have that sin nature in us, and we it's in our in our will and our desire to sin. And Lord, we know that we have to battle it, uh, as Paul even says, to put it to death, to put off the old man and put on the new man, and to walk in love. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to be wise about how we deal with the world. That we would not be secluding ourselves, isolated from the world, uh, and unable to have an influence on them, or to show them love and compassion. Uh, But Lord, help us not to be so close that we are influenced, uh, influenced by the world and led astray. Lord, help us to be healthy in our approach to the world that we would show them that love, that we would be shedding light on on that sin and shedding light on who Jesus is and how he can save them from their sins. Lord, if there is something going on in our own lives, uh, maybe we have been impacted. Uh, Lord, whatever, whatever that is, whatever desire that is put in our hearts, I pray that you would use your Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. And that you would change us. Lord, we at Fairmont, we want to have an impact in this world. We want to tell others about Jesus. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be careful. uh, That we do not... uh, That we do not risk our own spiritual health in how we do that. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. And that we would be good imitators of you like children that we would show your love, that we would also show your righteousness. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.